Hello and welcome to The Book Album, your place for everything related to reading and language. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gentz. Now, bookmark that book and let's begin. Hello, hello and welcome to the show. Hallo und herzlich willkommen zu unserem Podcast. Today we are talking about a book that I really enjoyed reading in the last few months, Novelist as a Vocation by Haruki Murakami. Murakami is an author whom I have been so interested in since high school. I've read most of his published works in English and every new work that comes out with an exception of one work that came out a couple years ago, which we'll get into. I have pretty much read everything that has come out since high school in English from this author. Haruki Murakami is someone I've reviewed several times on the podcast. All of those episodes will be linked in the show notes at relevanceofliterature.com slash notes under the notes from this episode. But Needless to say, huge Murakami fan. I've read a lot of his longer works, including uh, 1Q84 and The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle, Kafka on the Shore, uh, Killing Commendatore. I'm just a huge Murakami fan. I love his unique style of magical realism. There's something just so American about his novels, oddly, even though he's, of course, a Japanese writer. There's just so much that's universal about his writing, and there's really gateway and entry points for almost every reader, if not every reader, in my opinion, especially to his works of fiction. Of course, this book, Novelist as a Vocation, is a work of nonfiction from the very, very private author, somebody who does not do a lot of public appearances or other events, except notably as he writes in uh, Novelist as a Vocation when he's abroad, he does a little bit more in that regard, but needless to say, this is just such a special book um, from his ovoi, from the broader perspective. He's been working towards an auto, more autobiographical work for a long time now um, with his memoir published about running and then he has had some more recent works lately. There's one work about t-shirts that he published um, with sort of pictures of all of his t-shirt collection. And then um, this book, of course, um, which was actually published in Japan in 2015. Some of the articles that he combines for this work, or the essays rather, were written starting in around 2010. and were eventually um, included into this work. So some of the essays for the book were purely written for the book and some were published earlier in a magazine in Japan, which he wrote for, I think for a friend or colleague, in order to get the magazine some traction to start reflecting on some of these um, different themes that he talks about in the book. So interestingly, and I think one of the things that people point out very immediately is that since this work was was published originally in 2015, there was a seven year gap between the original Japanese publication and 
the publication in English, which came out just last year in 2022 in the fall. And for me, I don't think that this is such a crazy tension or idea. A lot of times, the way that the publishing world works, the way that the author, you know, is thinking about which translators to bring on, which to work with, you know, which translators are available and all that, you know, it seems to me like some of it must have been like just purely administrative. Some of it though, I think was that, you know, as an audience, as an English speaking audience for Murakami's books, we've again been working up very slowly to a book like this from him. Um, and it's definitely something that maybe if it was published in 2015, it wouldn't have made as much of an impact in the English speaking readership and his audience. So that's my perspective is that the way that this, you know, lineage of Murakami English books has progressed, it's really just created a perfect stage for this book that I'm not sure would have been there in 2015 in the same way. Um, let me know what you think about that theory. That's just my theory from thinking about it for a couple minutes. Something that is also notable about this book is that it's as much sort of history, like a chronology of his early successes as it is an autobiography. So it's, you know, as much almost biography as autobiography. Um, and that's something that I really took to. There's this new style of narrative voice that's been very popular lately um, amongst writers, especially with, you know, larger oeuvres like Murakami. Um, it's a mix between an autobiography and literary criticism and then there's some of these like quote-unquote historical or more biographical elements in it um, and that's something that's again like caught a lot of traction in recent years and that's something that I've actually really enjoyed reading from a lot of similar authors. I feel like Joan Didion is kind of like a precursor to some of this style of writing um, but definitely Murakami has hopped on this train um, I guess as of 2015. <laughs> An essay that definitely stood out to me in this collection was his essay on literary prizes and how he's very, very conscious of detaching himself from the literary prize world. His first novel did receive a literary prize. Famously, he sent in the only copy of the manuscript for his first novel to this literary prize jury and had it not won probably he would have never written again or never have even had a copy of this novel that he finished. There was however a pretty famous literary prize for first time or new writers that he didn't get though he did get shortlisted for that so um, he talks a little bit about how the publicity and all of the you know hoops and rings that came with the literary prize for that particular one i think it's called like the akigawa prize or something like this um really diminished his almost his quality of life during that time um and it really reflects back on how private murakami is um, how he really doesn't like being in the limelight. He likes having this sort of private, quiet relationship with his readers. Um, and I think, you know, that reflects again on his fiction and how, how, how many volumes it speaks 
you know, on its own without having the author completely backing it up all the time. I mean, he's not as much of a recluse as like Cormac McCarthy <laughs> per se, but it is really interesting that he's allowing a lot of his fiction to stand for itself. And even in something like this that's very autobiographical, he does talk about some of the different processes and different qualities and hurdles maybe that he came upon when he was writing. He talks about, for example, different characters that he, you know, embodied or maybe struggled with or who were very different than himself. He talks about how there was a book where he intended the book to be a short story and it ended up being a longer work. So yeah, he does talk about some of these more detailed pictures within the world of his writing, but in a large respect, like, you know, broadly over the course of this book, it's a lot about the history again and again and the chronology of his career as a writer, especially his early career, and then also, you know, his perspective generally on writing. So in that way, he's not like, you know, going behind each of the works that he's written and talking about them in great depth. Um, Stephen King's on writing, like, does that in a sense where he really does like talk about very specific books in very specific ways in order to demonstrate his broader points about the techniques and the different uh, strategies that you can bring to writing and then he has sort of Stephen King has this philosophy that he builds throughout the book about writing and talks again about very specific techniques very specific things that he does even like rituals almost and also, you know, that ends up painting a picture that's a larger picture about what writing not only means to him, but also what he thinks can bring to other people. So, you know, in that way, Murakami's book about writing, sort of, this novelist is a vocation book, it's really not like On Writing by Stephen King. He's not doing that, he's not bringing that same level of specificity, that same level of like almost self-help kind of like here's some techniques and tools you know Anne Lamont's Bird by Bird is another great example of a book about writing where she really brings specific tools insights techniques stories to it um, and Murakami is not doing that in the same way as these other authors so it's really more of a philosophical or broad picture, broad scope work about Murakami as a writer in general. But again, it leans less on these sort of anecdotal slash very detailed descriptions of his actual work or writing process, but more so leans on the larger picture of his history as a writer, his how he got into writing, how he became the writer that he is today. Something that I was really interested in before I read this book, uh, long story short, I sent this book to America <laughs> because I pre-ordered it as soon as I got the email from <laughs> Murakami's website that it was being published. I pre-ordered it and the book got sent to America, so I think it came out like in October 2022 or something around there. 
I was in Germany where I live and I had to wait until March when I could go to that location to secure the book and I read it in like one or two days. I was so um, just fascinated and impressed by the book to be honest. Um, it really has fit into a lot of my reading nowadays which is about writing, about writers, about routine, about you know, consistency in writing as I am trying to finish the last chapter of my novel. Um, my first novel, second book, um, super excited to hopefully talk more about the novel and that process um, soon with you all, but you know, needless to say, I'm like in the last, last stretch of the actual, you know, drafting process and then I can go back and edit and all those nice things but you know in that in the sense of like writing and understanding the craft understanding how to build those good consistent writing habits I've been reading a lot of similar books um as this uh, to this one um in the last few months so it was just it met me at the perfect time I super enjoyed reading it. Like I said, I literally came home, read the book, <laughs> then got into the other things. Um, so yeah, this is something that has been great. However, um, I did read a New York Times review of this book that I'm going to pull up right now. And this New York Times review is called Haruki Murakami Has Never Found Writing Painful. <laughs> And it's by Charles Finch, November 8th, 2022, right around when the book came out, I'm presuming. And this is, you know, the crux. I'll read the paragraph. And this article is linked at the show notes at relevanceofliterature.com under the notes for this episode. Um, so, quote, the first lesson Murakami wants to impart is that writing is easy. <laughs> to tell the truth, I've never found writing painful, he says. What's the point of writing anyway if you're not enjoying it? I can't get my head around the idea of the suffering writer. Basically, I think novels should emerge in a spontaneous flow. What is a young writer to make of this? Murakami presses the idea again and again, and it no doubt explains his productivity and fluency, yet the fact remains that for nearly every writer other than him, the work is frequently awful. A long, sunken fatigue in Proust's words about with some illness, some painful illness in Orwell's. Uh, unquote. So, you know, bringing together a lot of these similar ideas, which, um, you know, builds a picture of, okay, and, you know, especially in the Western world, we have this idea that writing is awful, painful, you suffer, it's hard, it's laborious, um, you know, there's that famous connotation between writing and other addictions, like alcoholism in particular, Ernest Hemingway, the poster boy for that, um, you know, and in this, Murakami, which I love, is creating an alternate picture for what a writer could look like and what a writer's life could look like. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that for a lot of people, Murakami's strategy and picture and idea of writing is re not realistic because for a lot of people, this kind of writing is not realistic, right? They get like kind of especially neurotic people, right? <laughs> they kind of get in their heads about it and 
X, Y, and Z. Um, but what I love about this is that, you know, it kind of challenges this long-held assumption in the writing world and about writers in particular that they have to be these, like, um, ultra, like, neurotic, addicted, like, reclusive figures in order to become successful. And, you know, the thing about Murakami that I think um, most intrigues me about his person is that he's just so he's so much of an individualist he really doesn't care about a lot of the other pressures that writers believe they should have um, and so again that's something that I just love about Murakami and I think it's um, totally good that um, Mr. Finch in this article is challenging those kinds of notions that Murakami's putting on the table because they're really hard notions for I think especially the Western world to swallow that work doesn't have to be hard, you know, like especially writing doesn't have to be a difficult pursuit. Um, and that's something that, yeah, even though I read this and I was kind of like, geez, that's a really scathing critique of Murakami. At the same time, I just kind of realized like, you know, with Murakami, a lot of the times there's that relevance or that relativity that you have to take into account. Like for me, I know when I read his book um, about running, it was, you know, I'm a runner myself, but I'm not like going out and running ultra marathons like Murakami, you know? So it's kind of like you have to just take into that relative perspective who you're reading because it's it is very different when you know you're comparing murakami for example to hemingway right it's like you know these are two very um prolific and large looming figures in the literary world starting from you know the last century onwards but at the same time you know there's that again that individualist perspective that's so deeply rooted in murakami's work i can't imagine separating um that out, that individualist perspective out and saying, okay, you know, Murakami is giving general writing advice. Like, you know, I just can't imagine that being the case for him. So maybe some part of this that the author is getting at is that there's some sort of like off marketing here about the book. Like it is kind of, it was at least to me, marketed as a book about writing, a book about, you know, his sort of philosophy and like tips about writing. And this book is absolutely, you know, not the book that you would expect based on that message. And I think it is um, a little bit counterintuitive when you think about like the title, Novelist as a Vocation, you're thinking, okay, he's going to talk about like his daily writing, he's going to talk about all these things that like Stephen King and Anne Lamott have already talked about, um, but yeah, it's not that at all, it's like sort of this, again, countercultural, like very individual view on writing and the world and the craft, um, and yeah, I think that's something that I, again, really enjoyed and really Respect, respected and it's also something that I didn't expect from the book um it was just kind of like wow like this is cool he's he's not talking about you know the same things like grammar and things that everyone else talks about let's talk about some other similar works to this one 
Um, what I talk about when I talk about running is the running book that I keep mentioning. I love that book. I would highly recommend it. It's maybe not Murakami's most known book, but I just loved that book. Um, I would definitely read it again. Um, and it's just, it's one of those books where um, maybe the lifestyle that Murakami leads is not realistic for you, but at the same time, it's such a joy to get um, an inside view on his perspective on life, on training, on doing something consistently and loving something. It seems like, you know, running is clearly a difficult pursuit, but it's something that Murakami loves to do and something he talks about um, doing when he was living in the U.S. And, you know, it's one of those things that I think really has made an impact on his life and that was a really cool thing to read and it definitely helped me get more motivated with my running to you know keep going with the training and to keep going even when it's hard or keep pursuing it even when it's difficult the t-shirts i love by Hiroki Murakami again this is the t-shirt book this is the book that i didn't buy when it first sort of came out I honestly wasn't that interested in this book. I may go back and read it, but it wouldn't be a first choice for me on my reading list. There's just a lot that I want to get to uh, in terms of my reading, and yeah, this book is not like, it's just, I'm just not the audience for it, I don't think. Um, you know, if it was more sort of autobiographical like this book, I think I would have been more drawn to it. I do think it's a really cool idea and a really cool book, like, you know, wow, that's so cool. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's something that I, again, just wasn't drawn towards immediately and therefore didn't pick up. There's also a book called Absolutely on Music, which is interviews with um, the former conductor of the Boston Symphony Orchestra. Um, uh, I loved that book. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm a musician, so it's, you know, I went to college for music so that any sort of like talk about music and you know both of these people like Murakami had a jazz bar in Tokyo I think I think in Tokyo but yet he, he owned a jazz bar for several years before he became a full-time writer um, and it was like one of those moments for me when I realized just how much um, depth Murakami, Murakami has in terms of like the things that he can write about, right? It's not just this kind of his trademark style of fiction, but he can really do a lot with nonfiction and he has a really broad scope of nonfiction. So he's got these two kind of autobiographical novels, maybe the three autobiographical novels if you include the t-shirt one. So The Running, this book, and the t-shirt. Then he's got Absolutely a Music, which is a series of sort of interviews and they really just, they get into the weeds when it comes to different performers, different pieces, different editions of the pieces. I love that. It's almost like a second like subject for Murakami, like a second profession. Like he's just so knowledgeable. He has such a great ear. Um, and you know, I really enjoyed, like I got a lot as a professional musician or at least a professionally trained musician from that book. You know, so it's that's added so much value, at least from my perspective. Um, and then, you know, he has also a nonfiction book called Underground, The Tokyo Gas Attack and the Japanese Psyche. This is a book I'm super interested in reading. I would really um, just like to hear this again. It's another nonfiction book. It's, 
You know, something that I think, when I think of Murakami, I don't think of this book, you know, and that's something that I would be just so interested in getting this new perspective from him on. So other similar works, there's a lot um, there. Murakami has written a lot of books and a lot of them are translated in English. I think there's 14 novels or so. Um, and then plus these other autobiographical works. Um, so there's just, you know, a ton to explore and a ton to choose from when it comes to Murakami. I get this question all the time, what book I would choose to read first if um, I had to choose, you know, for a new reader of Murakami, what I would choose to read first. Murakami himself says that he is not really the best short story writer, at least n not that he's not the best, but that he isn't known in his own self. He doesn't like think he's a short story writer. He thinks he's a novel writer. I, for one, love his short story collections. <laughs> um, the Elephant Vanishes made such an impact on me when I was in high school and I read it. I just thought like, I have never read something like this. Like his style is so unique. And that really comes out because he's so experimental in his short stories. That's something that um, I just super, super enjoyed. Um, I also really enjoyed, if you're looking for a longer work to start with, Kafka on the Shore. I think probably my favorite book from him is A Wind-Up Bird Chronicle, but um, a shorter work that I would definitely encourage more people to read is Sputnik's Sweetheart from him. Um, I super enjoyed that book and it's not one of his, it's not the one that comes to mind when I think of Murakami, like he's most known for Norwegian Wood. Um, I can take or leave that book um, sometimes, I mean it's an amazing work of fiction, like you know, hands down, but it's not my favorite. Um, just in terms of a pure subjective personal preference viewpoint. Um, it's, you know, it is, again, if you're looking to get into that Murakami style and you want to read one of his most known works, Norwegian Wood is definitely the one that a lot of people go to, um, if not 1Q84 if they're looking for a really long book, but for me my favorites are kind of a little more off the beating path. I know Wind Up Bird and Kafka on the Shore are pretty famous novels of his though. So I would definitely recommend uh, any, no any one of those books to start with, but for me definitely Elephant Vanishes, Kafka on the Shore, Wind Up Bird Chronicle, those are my favorites, Sputnik Sweetheart as well. And to close off here, I want to talk about what I got out of the book as a writer, as an aspiring published writer. Um, one thing that I really loved is when Murakami was talking about the process of writing his first book, he decided that he didn't like the style, you know, after he had written it. And he went and translated either the whole first chapter or part of the book, um, in English, and because his English was so limited, he was very quickly forced to abandon all of these fancy stylistic things that he was trying to do, all these like, you know, really impressive formations of language that he was trying to do, and he just had to kind of lay it out there bare bones in English, and then when he translated it back into Japanese, he realized, you know, this is the style I was working, well, I was looking for, this is the style that fits with the, not only the, the book and everything, so what I took away from that, you know, also as someone who is multilingual, 
someone who speaks multiple other languages, like, it's one of those beautiful, like, examples of using the tools that you have and making sure that they're in your toolkit and that you're actually taking them out of the toolkit, right? So, yeah, I really enjoyed how he went towards simplicity, but he did it in a sort of unconventional way, which is that he used a foreign language and that helped that helped shape his writing style even up until today, it seems. So, for me, I'm not sure if I would ever do something similar, like translate my first chapter in German and then, like, you know, do something else um, with the style, but I think it's just so amazing that he was able to kind of pivot using the second language, using the tools that he had. So that's something that I definitely got back is like use the tools in your toolkit, whether that's another language, whether that's, you know, a certain area of expertise, um, just use those tools when you're writing. The other thing that's very clear from the historical part of, or the biographical kind of part of Murakami's essays is that there's a fair amount of luck involved, um, right? And a fair amount of just like pure connections that he made and, you know, that kind of branched off into other connections that became very important to him. Um, but it's also about consistency, right? Like, you know, the luck part was that like, you know, his only manuscript kind of survived the selection process of, you know, his first novel getting chosen for this prize, um, you know, but the consistency part was that, like, he really put everything he had into writing the first novel as the others, um, and he brings that sort of, like, manic discipline to writing that I think, you know, is common to most, if not all, very, very well-known writers. And the last thing that I wanted to touch on again is this alternative truth, this alternative narrative about being a writer and about writing, which Murakami so poignantly writes into his approach to the craft. And that's, you know, writing for him is fun. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be this, you know, crazy thing that you have to turn to like substance abuse to make easier. Like, you know, there's just this real joy that Murakami seems to bring to writing. And, you know, it is, he talks about some of the physical stamina that writing requires. And, you know, to me, that seems like, okay, he kind of understands that it's difficult, but for him, the way that he interprets the whole process is just such a, a joyful and, again, fun process. And that's something that I definitely will do work to reframe in my mind. Like, writing doesn't have to be, you know, tortured artist sits alone in room for eight hours. It's, you know, it can be like this creative, fun process that you train for and that you work towards. And, you know, I, I would say something similar in my life with music is that, you know, like, there were times, like, certainly when music was really difficult and then the payoff was even better, you know, and it's kind of not every day. I, I honestly didn't enjoy every day in the practice room. Sometimes, you know, reads weren't what I wanted or whatever wasn't what I wanted, but, you know, the more I found ways to consistently train, to be disciplined, to have that physical stamina that Murakami talks about, you know, the more enjoyable it was 
more consistently, um, even in the practice room. So I think Murakami is definitely on something when he talks about writing as just this fun process. All right, y'all, let me know what you think about this episode, about this book in the show notes. You can comment there, relevanceofliterature.com slash notes. And I will see you all next week. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to hear more from us, we've done everything from Shakespeare to Dracula. There really is a show and a series for everyone, so I'd recommend checking out our website at relevanceofliterature.com under the ongoing series tab for links to our entire back catalog of episodes, as well as any current goings-on of our show. If you are looking for even more content, we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash relevanceofliterature. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll see you next time.